Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Celebrate this July 4th with a special presentation of A Capital Fourth. Join your host, Vanessa Williams, with performances from Sea to Shining Sea. Starring Jimmy Buffett, Gladys Knight, Alan Jackson, Cynthia Erivo, Pentatonix, Renee Fleming, Train, Jennifer Nettles, Mickey Guyton, Jimmy Allen, Ali'i Cravalho, Laura Osnes, Ali Stroker, and the greatest live fireworks display in the USA. It's A Capital Fourth, sponsored by the Boeing Company and American Airlines, Sunday, July 4th, 8, 7 Central. Only on PBS. Hello, my name is Dave Hanrady and there will be no encore. Welcome to episode 111, triple one, as I tried to get going on the last episode, you will recall, of the No Encore Music Podcast. That's right, it's episode 111. How are we doing, boys? That does sound tough to say, 111, yes. This is my second take. This is take. the second intro, guys, sorry my to... second uh, take, that's correct. Pull back the curtain. To be fair, to be fair, I did just uh, spit uh, Sam Pellegrino water all over the place a minute yeah. ago because we were recalling... Probably the best bit of Irish journalism this year. Superb. <laughs> Shout out to our boy Dean Roxton, yes. uh, former college mate of mine, in fact, and uh, former hot press mate of all of ours, um, who yeah, ran, a sto- ran a story in the Irish Times the other day, uh, which had given the headline, um, what was it? Sun has its day in the sun, and as sun sets on sunny weather. weather. <laughs> in the Irish Times. Incredible oh, work. Bro. Golden Fantastic. pen for Dean. Sun has its day in the sun as the sun sets on sunny weather. Yeah. <laughs> and the amount of people who are like, uh, what, what, what is going on with yeah. us? We were independently contacted by various people that were just like, what is going on? I don't <laughs> what. Well, Dean was so happy with himself. We were all happy with him, to be honest. Yeah, this is what happens when journalists get bored, basically. <laughs> but well off, done, Dean. Off the top of your head, what are your best headlines you've ever oh, come up with? Oh, or the Lord. ones that you're most proud of? Uh, this could be one. Oh. I'm very happy about the Young Guru one where I had, you know, because he's Jay-Z's right-hand man, sound engineer, and I had 99 problems but a glitch ain't one. Yeah, that okay, was very good. good yeah, pretty yeah. good, pretty good. I always liked Ode to Despair about Perfume Genius being but a bit that sad. wasn't printed. Yeah, I know. Mine but, was. But online... As I uploaded it and it's now there. So if you go to the Hot Press archives, it's there in all its glory. If you want to navigate, to say I had the last. If you laugh. want to navigate the worst website, I, re- I recently around. tried to run an interview with Barry Keown under um, "Keep Keown and Barry On," 
pretty much as a test of my employer. I love like, that you thought they that passed. There was they, any yeah, chance yeah. of that getting through the net? You'd never know, man. Some of the go rail ones by like the last couple of years were just <laughs> outstanding, but they're too numerous to mention now. <laughs> yeah, we really took the piss. To be fair. <laughs> Luckily, we don't do that anymore. Well, congratulations, Dean. We've grown uh, up. Fantastic. So, welcome to the show. We're going to start with the news, and unfortunately, the tone must be yeah. a bit more sober. So, yeah, a week ago now at this stage, I was working last week when the news broke that Avicii, uh, real name Tim Bergling, the Swedish superstar DJ and musician, passed away at the age of 28 while on holidays in Oman. And, yeah, there's been a bunch of tributes since. There was, like, a lot of people from the music world shouting him out. Calvin Harris, Dua Lipa, Dead Mouse kind of buried the hatchet in their sad little feud that they had. Yeah. And various others kind of uh, coming together. Uh, there was a public celebration in Stockholm. Uh, on Monday, his family released a statement uh, basically just thanking everyone for their support. And this came in the wake of uh, two autopsies that were carried out, and there was no criminal suspicion was the takeaway there. Um, in the last hour or so before we've come to do this podcast, the family have put out a new statement, which I will read now. It says, Our beloved Tim was a seeker, a fragile artistic soul searching for answers to existential questions, an overachieving perfectionist who travelled and worked hard at a pace that led to extreme stress. When he stopped touring, he wanted to find a balance in life to be happy and be able to do what he loved most, music. He really struggled with thoughts about meaning, life, happiness. He could not go on any longer. He wanted to find peace. Tim was not made for the business machine he found himself in. He was a sensitive guy who loved his fans but shunned the spotlight. Tim, you will forever be loved and sadly missed. The person you wear in your music will keep your memory alive. We love you, your family. So, yeah, extremely black and white there. Yeah. And really, really sad and very, very tragic. And as noted many times in the show, uh, you know, No Encore is a very irreverent, lighthearted look at the world of music. Uh, a story like this, unfortunately, has a lot of darkness in it. Um, I myself have been very frank about my own mental health struggles over the years, and it's just really, really sad. And I would just say to anybody listening to this uh, who has any kind of struggles of their own, um, like, you're not alone. And, you know, like, music, I find, is actually a terrific escape for that kind of thing and uh, it can be an amazing companion I, I'm i kind of rambling now because I don't really have anything rehearsed or like I, like, I don't yeah. really know what quite to say I just know that like I think that there's a tremendous empathy um, in situations like this and you see an awful lot of people kind of coming together and expressing their emotions and I've even noticed like kind of people in my own kind of friend group who are like also writers and creative types and I actually I spoke to Limmy of all people the Scottish comedian and I talked to him about, about mental health because he's been very frank about his own struggles and he was kind of making the point that like in the creative feel that you're in it can be very difficult to you know like you, you keep going you have to keep producing stuff you have to keep making things and unfortunately you can have long periods of your brain just rejecting the the concept of this kind of thing and it can be very very hard to keep just churning stuff out whether it's really good you know like interesting uh, artistic stuff or whether it's just you know hitting the nine to five uh, buttons on a job and i myself have kind of felt that way recently and fuck it i'll just be honest i'm taking time off this show uh, for the next few weeks because i'm just i want to look after myself a bit better um so yeah unfortunately a story like this really resonates with me and mm. i mean we've never talked about avicii on the show before yeah. I, i'm not going to give you the bullshit qualifier of oh i wasn't into his music like who gives a shit mm. uh very very young it's very very sad and i just think yeah it, it sucks like like it, it's, it's really really sad and you know all I would say is uh, if you ever listen to the show and if you like us uh, bringing the show to you and we've ever helped you in any way possible I'm sure we haven't but if we have I mean like great awesome cool uh, just look after yourselves everybody yeah. that's kind of what I want to say yeah that's part, part of the reason as well why it's hard to know what to say is because unfortunately it feels like we've said a lot of it before 
Um, this yeah. is not the first time. It is not even the second or third time in the past year that we've talked about prominent musicians taking their own lives. And yeah, I think in this particular case, it's it's you know just to talk around it, shun the spotlight on particularly you know. DJs and that kind of superstar DJ thing. A lot of these guys, even more so than, you know, a lot of artists and musicians can be quite introverted people. Um, in the case of like an Avicii and a lot of his colleagues have been saying the same about themselves. They're guys that just want to make music in their bedroom. Uh, they create things for the love of it to kind of keep themselves company. They kind of, you know, shut themselves out from the outside world a lot of the time. And then suddenly when they have this success from stuff they've done in a very isolated thing, it's suddenly this, you know, they're propelled into you're doing 300 gigs a year mm. you're constantly like you know everyone wants a piece of you you're suddenly you know the most popular guy in the room and if you know all well and good if you're now going so that's looking for that kind of stuff but if it doesn't really sit with your personality type i'm sure that can be absolute torture uh, to go through so yeah i mean it's just it seems like a really tough slog for a lot of people out there that you kind of think are on top of the world but yeah and and i think you know not not that you ever kind of want to use you know, terms are going to like make it seem like it turns it into a competition, so to speak. But it's almost extra sad when you realise that you know he had successfully quit touring in in twenty sixteen. Yeah, yeah. When you consider the amount of reasons why one would be drawn to continue, yeah, uh, in terms of money and status and all the rest of it, you know, it, it's clearly it's a brave thing to do. It's a big step to take for a guy in his position. And uh, yeah, it's just it's all the more tragic, I guess, that that it didn't have the desired effect, so to speak. Yeah, and I mean, like I know in, in situations like this, in the wake of these things, you're you're not going to really find anybody saying anything negative, but it does seem like an overwhelming wave of a lot of people saying about how positive the guy was and and how much of a sweetheart he was, and yeah. how it didn't like he wasn't he wasn't egocentric, he wasn't any like he was just very nice, and he was like this guy, and he previously like been very public about struggling with his own health issues i believe he struggled with alcoholism yeah it's why he stopped touring um but he still wanted to create music he still wanted to make things and always kind of drive forward and unfortunately like i mean it appears to have overwhelmed him to a, a horrific degree and yeah as noted before i mean like i just think that i think that like in life especially when you you, you create stuff whether you're a writer or whatever or a musician or a filmmaker or anything i like i find it difficult and I, I worry that it might be a bit of a cliche but i do think it's difficult to separate yourself and like to to not have demons and have a lot of mental struggles like like or not a lot of but like it does happen and I wonder if that's like something of like a curse of being a creative person. Yeah, there, there, there's definitely an amount of that. It's, I think it's just time spent in your own head. Yeah. Yeah. Be. It could be a curse anyway. of being human. I mean, I'm sure you know. It's yeah, fucking, but I just think, tough out there. I, I, I just think that like I think not enough. Mm people like in terms of like just like structures in society like i mean like i i don't want to sound like a fucking russell brand book here or anything but i think you know i think even like working five days a week i think is ridiculous i, th- I think it burns people out and we don't address it and i think it's a very generational thing i think it's a very archaic thing and i think it's okay i, I think it's okay to be like you know what like i'm actually struggling to write this interview today like i'm struggling to write this feature i'm struggling to make this song or whatever I, like i think uh, people i think people are getting better at addressing these things and it's more socially acceptable and all that kind of stuff and I would really hope that, like, you know, you've mentioned, um, not by name, but the likes of Chester Bennington, Chris mm-hmm. Cornell, and now Avicii, as examples, high-profile examples of people who touched an awful lot of people, had literally millions of fans. And for those people, like, this just must be such a har- have a horrible, devastating knock-on effect. And I just kind of feel like, in life generally, I think a lot of people need to just fucking pause and just, you know, Reset. I think it's very healthy to, to do those things. And, you know, of course, I mean, like, it doesn't apply to just creative people. You could be 
someone who works in a fucking mine all your life. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It's, just, it's one of those things, and it, like, it, just, it, hit, it hit really close to home, and it sucks. So rest in peace, Avicii, and I wish we were talking about you in better circumstances, but we're not. Yeah, I mean, uh, we did something very similar um, two years ago now, um, when we, just before we kind of started recording, we heard, sadly, that Prince had passed away um, two years on, and Prince is still working for someone. Um, so, yeah, we learned this week that his estate have unveiled a kind of collection of new material. Uh, this is, yeah, almost two years on. They shared this kind of little-known version of Nothing Compares to You. Of course, he did the original, the famous Sinead uh, O'Connor cover. And Dave has his hand up. I'm going to try and recompose myself now because I actually was like, oh, we maybe we should have put that on Songs of the Week. So I kind of hate the fact that it exists, but... Good God, it's amazing! Like oh, it's, yeah, no. it's it's incredible. Yeah. yeah, but of course, it's tied to this thing now of like, I mean, he probably wouldn't have wanted it out there, would he? He probably wouldn't want Look, people ri- thing, rifling through Paisley tr- Park and it's taking a photos. Tricky one. Oh, look, I, I, see, here's the thing: yeah. like, we have we have a quote from Troy Carter, estate leader, which is an amazing. When I saw estate leader, I was like, "Fuck these guys!" <laughs> you, you, you know, he's got that on Patrick Bateman style business yeah, cards, yeah, yeah. like. <laughs> Embossed print, <laughs> off-white. And the lettering and it, is called Cillian Rails. Yeah, uh, but he's got, like, he says he wrote down his thoughts and plans and how he ran his business, so he pretty much left a blueprint of how things should go. Mm. So basically, I, I mean, they're saying, you know, that they're just kind of, like, following his wishes and, like, you know, they even have a plan that was set out by print. I don't know. Uh, no, it's... Do you know what I was reminded of? It smacks of um Harper Lee and... Goes oh, yeah. Off, oh, my God. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's just like, oh... Oh, we found this book, and it's like, oh, really, a fortnight after her sister and Kara died, is it? That's a shock. I remember interviewing the author, John Connolly, at the time of that, and I was saying to him, he brought that up, and I was like, do you think that there's, you know, some kind of suspicion, like some foul play to a degree? And he was like, absolutely. He was like, she's, he's like, she's very old, and he, she was like, she's clearly being taken advantage of, and like, yeah, that whole, th- I've, you know. It's a disaster. I haven't read that book on principle. Yeah, never yeah. will. The other thing as well, though, is that um, if... They are trying to take advantage of Prince. Joke's on them. Good luck going through that old material, lad. Like, you will literally all die before you get about 10% this of it is, out there. This is the thing. I mean, who of, like, you know, sadly past artists has had the biggest, you know, post-death career? Probably Tupac, I'm thinking, in terms of sheer volume of releases. Like, I'm sure Tupac's yeah. discography is, you know, post his death, far bigger than it was That's when he was living, in- right? I, I love that question. I'm sure. That is a... That is a stunner. If people are out there listening and have a lot of time in their hands, please research this. I would assume as well that uh, Jeff Buckley would have quite a oh bit. Oh, God, yeah. I mean, um, really the dregs so with yeah, Jeff like, Buckley like, as like, well. yeah. So basically, in terms of ratio of material when they're alive yeah. to material post-death. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. I, I think now, as you know, we're seeing this plan uh, unfurled, Prince is going to outdo them all because, as you say, I mean, there was two vaults, I believe, um, and he had the house wired for sound so like we're going to eventually just get like Prince on the jacks just kind of with a guitar in his hand messing yeah, around it's worth, probably been really it's good worth looking up yeah, that Kevin Smith story if you never have like him speaking to that college at the time it's a terrific half an hour you know tale uh, in response to your query though I have uh, and also as a challenge for, for Prince the late <laughs> Prince I have a three word answer 
Roy Orbison hologram. <laughs> <laughs> Did you guys fucking see? No, I, th- I, I think didn't go to that gig. I like, haven't seen it. Like. I saw like I, I, <laughs> like someone on Twitter said like he came up through the floor like <laughs> just as he did in like, life like the Undertaker <laughs> like he take off his hat well bong <laughs> yeah I know oh. I, it's just and like there was like footage of, like, oh, I was like this is it's no it's and too I, much I think also like he came up through the floor like yeah but he wasn't on the other side of the... He just came up from the floor. Like, I think we're talking about this grave. before where we're like, you know, you can kind of see the Tupac thing of like, he was a very, you know, exuberant performer. There's a lot of physicality to what he was doing. That was a kind of interesting hologram. Roy Orbison just standing stock still. Like, yeah, <laughs> unassuming, lovely Roy Orbison. Um, it's like something like a fucking 4D version of Blue Velvet. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I like what Terry Pratchett did when, you know, before he passed and, you know, he had a, a long illness which was awful on him, but luckily, he, I guess he could properly get his... A, affairs in order and he had his computer hard drive steamrollered I think <laughs> at like some steam fair yeah, 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 just yeah. like so all his kind of unpublished stuff he's just like fuck it no one's seeing it no one's doing anything well he could go the exact opposite direction which is what Massive Attack have done mm. uh, this week it's the 20th anniversary of Mezzanine and to celebrate they are encoding the album in DNA top album by the way oh incredible record yeah, yeah I'm not going to get any complaint yeah, <laughs> yeah holds up there <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hot take alert. Claxon. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yes, good album. So, yeah, um, this... What, what do we have? Professor Robert Grass and a Zurich-based company and a US-based company, indeed. Um, what, what's, are, what, what's the Zurich one called? Uh, it's called Turbo Beads. <laughs> what the hell? And US cost company Customer Ray. Mm. Now, can you explain the DNA um, compression process <laughs> in detail to us, Colm? Doc Professor O'Regan. <laughs> well, actually... Do you want my glasses? Oh, here you Well, are. no. Do you know what did happen? I actually asked Professor O'Regan. Oh. What? Dr. Michael Jared O'Regan, Professor of Physiology, University College Cork. My dad yes. oh, has explained how this happens. So basically... <laughs> this is excellent. Yeah, so basically, the audio on a CD is just done in binary. It's ones and zeros. Yeah. So what you do is you give a number to each one of the four DNA bases. Adenine, thymine, cytosine, and guanine. So they'll just be like... So re- already you're onto a winner. Yeah, and so, in terms of space. And so basically, just rather, rather in, instead of having a series of ones and zeros to give you the binary code, you just have a series of perhaps one, two, three, fours yeah, yeah. to give you each of the... DNA. So you can get way more info in smaller spaces, essentially. Well, not so much. Well, yes, yeah, in terms of size, absolutely. And then, basically, you like turn it into your new DNA base language, break it up, and then you kind of store it like a fossil, which is why they're putting it in all these glass beads, yeah. and uh, then just use DNA sequencing to put it back together when you want to. Yeah. Now, what do I do with all of that? <laughs> yeah, now, now, this is the I issue. Have, yeah, like, How do I play it? Yeah. Playing, it is, playing it is going to be like this, the bigger problem here, yeah. Essentially, what you'd have is a DNA sequencer would then sort of like run through it with some sort of audio output built in. Put it this way. Essentially, it's just feckin' cool to say you did it. I was about to say, yeah, look, it's a bit like getting your name on a grain of rice or something. There's something impressive about it, but it's mainly just a yeah. massive fast for nothing. Remember those weekends when you go to like, you know, a big music shop with your dad and you come home with a DNA sequencer? <laughs> those idyllic halcyon days. Well, listen, someday they'll be as ubiquitous as George Foreman's day. We didn't have them 20 years ago either. Well, I think it is, like, a, being serious, I mean, this is the kind of way forward in terms of f- storing data in the future, isn't it, very much so? As like, we get more and more... Prince's estate or... <laughs> <laughs> ears are burning right now. Yeah, um, the other thing as well is, like, I, I mean, just, just what sort of catastrophic event are we expecting to make this necessary? 
global warming. Oh, don't tempt fate, mate. Mini discs didn't bring down our ability to listen to music. Plague of locusts? Of- I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Something. I I still love mini discs. A couple of, a couple of years ago, I was out of like my phone was out of action, and I went back back to the mini disc player, and it was great. It was terrific just having a, a like set amount of albums, and sound quality was second to none. I'm gonna talk now. <laughs> <laughs> second to none. <laughs> Craig Patrick doesn't just listen to music. <laughs> He experiences it on his custom-built <laughs> four megabyte mini disc. Yeah, I, I mean, I mean, mi- mi- mini discs were good. Like, I'll actually yeah. back them up. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it kept fucking breaking, but I oh, did really? like it. Yeah, it was good, and I yeah, it was very much. Oh, mine didn't break. It it weighed. As about a, as much as uh, like yeah, if you threw a that five year old child if you, if you like hook it. that at someone's head they're, they're, they ain't getting back dude, up dude I had to bring one to the gym like what, three or four years ago I was going to say thinly veiled I go yeah, to the gym yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, had to bring one to the gym no, I, had a little, I had a little iPod shuffle but I forgot to charge it so I just grabbed the mini disc player because it was the only thing I had and like oh my as, god I went sprinting out the door <laughs> no I went slowly I went slowly jogging out the door because it was like I was all already resistance training with one of those in my pocket Wow. Oh, <laughs> um, oh sorry. Uh, Mini Disc Memories, the new segment on No Encore that I'm introducing before I take some time off. Uh, I, I found this out yesterday. Uh, next year, next year, Slipknot's debut album turns 20 years of age, and I can't actually yeah, believe yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. That was, I, I had like Slipknot's first two or three albums on a Mini Disc, like back in the day. And yeah, so uh, as I've already threatened on Twitter, look forward to me writing and talking. Dave, are you not coming back on the show for the royal wedding, by the way? No, I'm going to miss it, man. Shit. Oh, for God's sake. Sorry, guys. Oh. <laughs> what? If I, okay, if I miss it, right. I didn't realise that. Is there any way that I can catch up on it? Oh, now that you mention it. Okay. Uh, yeah, on w- mini disc. <laughs> no, actually, it seems to be one of the only audio formats that it won't be available through. Yeah. Um, they're going to be releasing it digitally soon after a vinyl yeah. recording uh, to follow that um, yeah the a recording of the actual music and is it in fact the whole ceremony it is the whole ceremony is it I don't know if the actual if I'm shelling out for this thing on wax well then I want yeah, so, I want those vows so man like side got, B vows so like we've got performances from you know, all of your best known <laughs> British cellists and sopranos and stuff. It's what do we have one. here? Shecky Cannon Mason, Ellen Manahan Thomas, the Choir of St. George's Chapel, Christian Gospel Geo Group, the Kingdom Choir. It's a murderer's row. It absolutely is. I'm not seeing um, um, Liam Payne here. Yeah, or Ed Sheeran. <laughs> yeah. uh, who's, is he playing here that day? No, yeah, he is, and I don't yeah. think he's doing the Royal Wedding. I think that was a hoax. Oh. But, I, but I wrote the story and we got those numbers. Get them hits, baby. <laughs> Davy Page Views does it again, huh? Davy Page Views. Oh, boy. Um, <laughs> Before we get to our album of the week uh, yeah. I guess we have to do a necessary update We do, yeah So let's hit that music Attention everyone One, one Shut up Craig on Kanye Yeah, so Kanye's on Twitter um, For more information go to At Kanye West You may have noticed <laughs> Yeah, he's a subtle presence as ever. Okay, uh, now into the album review. Is it? <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess so. I just hope that, you know, in collaboration with President Trump, he can make America great again. Because I think it's um, an aspirational thought for all of us. I guess, okay, the kind of thing, I mean, like, I, I don't want to circle back too much on, on my previous points about mental health and stuff. And, like, mm-hmm. I've no, I know, I, Kim Kardashian. Uh, posted a bunch of stuff last night on Twitter uh, and very like talking a lot of sense I thought uh, yeah a huge al- amount although it did also read a little bit like you know it's she's just trying her best to put out this fire <laughs> yeah a little <laughs> that, bit that, that he's put on I, I, I don't believe 
that Kanye West is perfectly okay. I, to be fair, I, like, I, like, I believe that if you've got mental health struggles, I'm sorry, but you're literally going to have to live with it. I think that's just the way it is. Huh. It doesn't magically go away. Yeah. Uh, but Kanye's behavior on Twitter lately, to me, looks like mania. And it's very manic. It's very all over the place. And I'm not, I, I, I've seen people kind of come out and be like, hey, you know, saying that he's mentally ill is actually really offensive to other mentally ill people. Sure. And like, it's that thing of like, yeah, these are very, very sensitive issues and I don't want to tread on anybody's fucking toes. But... Uh, I have to believe that what he's doing at the moment is just like a, it's pure expression it's his id just flying all over the place and I'm not taking a lot of it seriously I, I, I'm not taking the album release date seriously yeah. I'm not taking the Trump thing seriously uh, and I don't like seeing people go in two-footed on him uh, no matter what he's saying at the moment I'm not saying the, the guy's impervious to criticism uh, and I, even I'm like okay, okay man please put the phone down but well, I think yeah everyone has to remember <laughs> it's a bunch of feckin' tweets we're also seeing an awful lot of people who uh, <laughs> like you're seeing people and some people who ordinarily whether it's publication or whether it's just people and personalities who are ordinarily are like, hey guys, you know, like definitely do the Darkness Into Light run this year. It's a really good cause and, you know, Pieta House are great. And they're like, but fuck Kanye West. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, look, I mean, okay, for, for like, yeah, like there are some publications just getting it all wrong and that's, yeah, that that needs to sort itself out. I, I think the bigger problem here, and I mean, you kind of alluded to it there, is that like, you know, how much of this can we afford to just not take seriously at all? Well, this is the thing. Do you know, we don't have much to go on except for just these tweets. So oh, listen. It be- becomes kind of like, what's even the point? There was well, I, I absolutely agree, but hang on. But like, you see, like, there's so many artists out there that, you know, like, if they came out with pretty strong support for Donald Trump, I love the guy, here's a picture of me in my MAGA hat and so on and so forth they absolutely would be criticised and it absolutely would be recognised that they are very influential individuals who are putting these ideas out there. Now, I tend to agree with you, Dave. I think that Kanye may be going through a particularly difficult time right now as such. But, I mean, does that mean that we just don't address it at all? And then... As you say, it puts an awful lot of weight on our own interpretations. I think we're completely all completely unqualified. I think we're all seriously of, you know, disappointed with the Trump thing for sure. And like, but again, I'm just like, how much of this is even real? How much of it is even real? Like from the point of view, that's what I'm saying. Half it could be him just being like, oh, this will. Yeah, like, is he playing a pro wrestling character? Like, like I saw someone like an, an advertising expert on Twitter last night go like, you know, you do realize that in the last like four hours, or whatever, just with his thumbs, he's managed to generate like. 30 to 50 million dollars of an advertising campaign listen sure. if you if you frequent Kanye to on a regular basis which I know both of you guys do not <laughs> <laughs> because you you um, you know you've better things to be doing with your time um, but there's a lot you, yeah there's a lot of kind of theories going around about you know what he's saying why he's doing these things there's a lot of references to people that are very connected to Kanye some of his best friends and they're tweeting out stuff kind of going wink and a nudge and blah 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 he's setting something up now sure. this is oh, he's uh, totally playing a thing like at one point after the Trump stuff was really exploding he kept posting stuff and he was saying oh two of my favorite people in the world and it was like trump and it clearly became a very like jokey i'm just really pissed off that you're all pissed off at me kind but of this thing. is true but so at the, at the same time you listen, can't read tone listen, with it you listen, can't there's read an awful anything. lot of people who if they came out with that quote-unquote joke they would be dragged over the cold well, and deservedly see, uh, chance, chance yeah, the rapper fair, as well kind of joined in kanye and the troll doesn't interest me and Kanye the manic tweeter doesn't interest me too much either and I would just generally hope for the best for the guy and, yeah. I, and I would like for it to translate hopefully into a good body of work but if he is just taking the piss he's definitely running a <laughs> he's running a fucking strange one okay so uh, I, have a, I have a question though for, okay. both, for both of you let's go are you ready to eat the elephant oh fucking hell <laughs> yeah can I not dine on a donkey please no miracle, miracle. we're bleeding 
was Talk Talk who was the third single I believe released from the new A Perfect Circle <laughs> yeah, album yeah it's like the Thriller album they just have to keep releasing these singles <laughs> so hit after hit banger after banger yeah. uh, I have another question but should I do my backstory with this band first or should I do the question first no, I'll, I'll do the backstory first okay. so uh, A Perfect Circle uh, if you don't know our spin-off project I suppose of Tool Maynard James Keenan is at the forefront along with a guy called Billy Herodell who's Probably more of the creative focus uh, in this band. He was a guitar tech. He was a guitar tech for a bunch of bands. That's how he met Maynard. They became friends, and A Perfect Circle is kind of his baby. And I guess it allows Maynard to step into a different side of himself. They have released a few albums to date. Mare de Noms in 2000, which is great. 13th Step a few years later, which is good. And a a protest album with covers called Emotive in 2004, which is a bit of a hodgepodge. I like some of it. Now, this band, okay, so I first got into them uh, back in school. A boy in my class named Daniel gave me the uh, incredible musical currency back then of a blank CD with uh, the name of the album scrawled on it. And I gave it a go. What? The CD wasn't blank. It, oh, was, yeah, okay. it looked blank. Right. There was no artwork. Yeah, that would have been a profound yeah. statement on his behalf. <laughs> it's yeah. like, my put this Daniel on, it'll blow my, your mind. To this. My, my Daniel is now a prominent conceptual artist, <laughs> yeah, yeah. which is what led me towards Tool many years later. <laughs> Enjoy uh, the silence, Dave. We all do. So, uh, uh, yeah, a perfect circle, I've, I've often said, uh, kind of half-trolling, that I prefer a perfect circle to tool. Yeah. I probably do. Um, because because I, I guess I connected more with them for whatever reason. Sure. And no. I, I would be a fan. Okay, well, here, okay, so th- <laughs> this, I've been very nervous about this album. Uh, yeah. The artwork alone is, which, which we'll get to. And I very much was like, yeah, we're, we're, we're going to review this one, guys. So my question is, did you guys hate this album? <laughs> Um, I I very much grew to loathe it. Um, <laughs> there's there's flashes that I could kind of um put up with. Actually, no, first couple of listens, I was like, yeah, this is pleasantly washing over me. Um, always a big fan of his voice, but the more the digger or the deeper and deeper I dig dug into this, dig I can't up. even. <laughs> they've rend- they, this album has rendered me completely in you know unable to speak because it is so bad. Yeah. Um, uh, on repeated listens, it just became clear how. Weirdly surfaced this was as a protest album, how um, smug it was, um, how kind of just like vainglorious, it was just very devoid of ideas, it was watered down, um, and it was, yeah, it just bored the what life out of me. What would you say the themes of the record are? Oh, Jesus. Uh <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think it was Pitchfork used the phrase "man shouts at iCloud." Old man shouts. At Old iCloud. man shouts at yeah. iCloud. Um, yeah, which is pretty good. I mean, yeah, it like it. It's it's so on the nose as far as kind of protest albums go and stuff like that. It, to answer your original question, I actually think I went the opposite way to Craig. I think I hated it on the first few listens, and then as it went on, maybe almost became slightly pitiful for them. And that's almost worse, I think. Wow. And I think that comes from the earnestness with which a lot of it is still delivered. <sighs> because, it, no, but like, it, okay, like, I mean, I do agree with a lot of the flaws that Craig pointed out. But if there's one thing that I would say, it's that Maynard James Keenan can still sing like few people 
in this genre and in this area. And he still sounds like he really means it. And he's given it some. The thing is that when you're trying to sell something that is so unsellable, basically, you know, if the last track was kind of like, help old Gil out here, you wouldn't have been all that surprised, you know? It it, it does sound a bit desperate at times. I liked it. (laughs) (laughs) So here's the thing. I liked it. I mean, I guess I have so much goodwill for this band that I was probably always going to like it to a degree. I don't think it's particularly great or anything. But I find myself just going down the thing with them. And I mean, okay, so like the artwork is like a weird cradle of filled splice of Maynard yeah. and Billy Harrodell in fright makeup holding kind of a... Voldemort style. Holding a big squid that's uh, coloured in the, the colours of the two... Uh, political parties that make up America yep so that's right guys it's a bit of a protest album and as we all know I've decried like Hillary Clinton <laughs> in her purple suit yeah I, I believe for a time you were saying we should ban all Trump songs Did so say that, technically yeah. his album <laughs> should have been struck <laughs> off quite a few Trump there's a track in here called The Contrarian which isn't about me oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it is about Donald Trump is that the one that starts hello he, he lied, lied. I yeah, kind of like that actually like, as an opener oh as an opener because it's, it's just, just everything so, that came after yeah, this yeah there is a song in here that was inspired by bad Yelp reviews of his winery, which I love. I yeah. love that, oh. that, that exists. Yeah. I'm just really glad that James Murphy now has company in that <laughs> in that very small club of bougie middle-aged white musicians who feel that they should make a comeback album with political commentary and completely I find myself, miss the mark. I find myself going like with uh, with a lot of these songs, like because I'm very much like ah, like there's parts of these that I absolutely love, and I feel like the indulgence even musically like takes them away from like a, a cogent yeah. point and it's a shame because I mean okay Disillusion came out on like New Year's Day and like okay lyrically it's one of the clunkier ones like it's very much like you know like time to put the silicone mm. obsession down take a look around like, take a look around. Like, just like go outside guys <laughs> yeah. um, mind blown what although it doesn't help it doesn't help that like off air just by the way Lister we have been discussing uh, intrusive thoughts over the past couple of weeks oh, yeah. uh, it doesn't help that yeah a lot of the lyrics in this album might as well just be going throw your phone into the river yeah very <laughs> So, and like, how, how does he read those Yelp reviews on his phone? Presumably, <laughs> but I think he's also like, you know, like he did a long interview with somebody, and he basically said he goes, uh, you know, like I'm also criticizing myself here. I'm being whatever, and he, like he's not subtle at all with what he's saying. But I think Disillusion, no. like I think Disillusion musically is actually a gorgeous song. I think yeah, it goes on these passages, one the stronger, and it's one of the ones that I can actually afford to meander quite well. Whereas in other tracks, like it, I'm like, oh no, stick to the thread. There, like, there's a lot of meandering in this record, isn't there? Y- there's lots of moments that you feel are going to lead somewhere quite special, and then they just go on for another five minutes, and then we move on to the next kind of piano-y yeah. atmosphere. I mean, thing, for yeah. me, the strongest that this record gets is in the middle section where you get buying down the river yeah, and yeah that's because the highlight that's for me that's a fucking awesome song yeah, See, that, song song. Has, that song's been around for five years they released that uh, as part of 360 which is the name of their greatest hits that okay. they put out and then it mysteriously vanished oh, recently wow. and I was like why is it gone and did it sound like this it's slightly different this is, okay. re-re- this is re-recorded and I, I found myself initially on the first runs being like no no I definitely think I prefer the original well, um, I mean, I, I suppose what I'm asking is... There's not a lot of difference to it. It's just the way it's produced. And also, the drums are a bit more softened up in this version, which I don't like. Yeah. Yeah. But I think his vocals yeah, are better. I, I know, isn't it weird, right? I love the yeah, guitars but, but, because in the mid- <laughs> It's like, a really good song. But yeah. like coming as it does in the middle of this album... Um, the vocal melody is gorgeous. Basically, like it, it's guitars to the forefront, which doesn't happen on a lot of other tracks here. 
and I saw a thing. Uh, James Eha is like on this record. Oh yeah, and they were like, apparently, they were, know it. Yeah, they were like, they were like, they were like, poor James being held down by another bald Billy. Yet again, not allowed to express himself. Yeah, no, it is kind of. I mean, uh, yeah, like, I know Billy Hardell probably is more musically in control of this, but it's very much Maynard Keenan's, I, I guess, <sighs> subject matter and lyrics, and he does sound throughout it like someone that has been running a kind of a winery in Arizona for yeah. a long time. Sorry, no, I was just writing down there that, uh, like, as well as uh, Maynard James Keenan and James Murphy being able to discuss wine and their... Uh, off the mark social <laughs> observances. Um, we can have James Eha and Nancy Wang in the "Why aren't we being properly utilised?" corner. Yep, very good. <laughs> Maybe there's some horrible racism going on there that I hope isn't. But I'm sure it isn't. I'm yeah, I, I mean, yeah, what? What? No. <laughs> I'm just joking. But so much of the album is about like put down your phone and like experience like you know real emotion and re- get out there and blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. Here's the alternative you can be enjoying, and it's just this very listless kind of you know music <laughs> that really was clearly made a in lot, a vegetative state. It's just like yeah. This is the alternative. This yeah. is what I'm putting my phone down well, for. Well, the one that we, the, the one that we played there, talk talk. I like. I think is arguably the clunkiest one because he's got that. You know, like uh, you know. Oh, so you talk like Jesus. Try oh. walking like yeah. Jesus. But when <laughs> you think also, of the lyrics in Tool, though, there's like there's no poetry here. It's so surface. I think buying down the river has poetry. Okay. And that might be better. Uh, and I know. I, I think the opening track, "Eat the Elephant," actually is quite lovely. And it's also like it's about suicide, I believe. And uh, I don't know if this is erroneous, but there was talk that like Chester Bennington was supposed to be involved with it. Yeah, I, I, he was I, I, featured I, on. Yeah, a, yeah I think initial, he was taken off. Yeah. It, like, if anything, um, let's get to. Well, not the elephant in the room, because the whole album is... Well, all the fish in the room. Yeah, is le- let's get to all the fish, shall we? Uh, here's a track called So Long and Thanks for All the Fish. lot of people uh, like my housemate Owen like, just messaged me this and he went what the fuck is this yeah what and he was like when did Maynard James Keenan turn into Lady Gaga I mean it is still stuck in my head sadly I don't hate it <laughs> I mean they said that this was their effort at sending up the world of dead celebrities and yeah well no but like their, their effort of um, it's the end of the world as we know it essentially didn't oh. they and yeah, the world I mean, did not need it in a perfect circle riff on no, and I'm a fan, and I'm saying that. And yeah, I don't know. It's just just dire. Like <laughs> it's just really bad. It's really bad. Yeah, yeah. I, I, it just makes me want to listen to Prince and David Bowie as opposed to like this. <laughs> I think the album's the album's biggest problem is a lack of focus. I think like. There's some really interesting stuff on some of these tracks. Hourglass, I think, is a better version of going the art pop route, that kind of weird digital distortion. And, you know, uh, granted, it, it, they've coined the term Republicrat, which no one needed, oh. <laughs> no one needed no. It in their lexicon ever. No. But, yeah, I've, I, I think there are really good moments. Like, Feathers, I think, is quite a nice song. I think Delicious has its moments. But yeah, it's got a bit of, like, me to it, I suppose, at least. I, I just feel like these are, like, they almost, they're not, if they're demos, they're exceptionally well-produced demos, but, like, the ideas for tracks are all over these songs and I'm almost like oh, if you rein yourself in a bit more yeah but like I say like I say and, and that, lyrically you try to be a little bit more 
off the point yeah. every now and then it'd be nice but that's why i mean like you know between the the production values and yeah the the, the genuine effort that Maynard James Keenan appears to be giving some of this stuff in, in, in you know in sounding like uh, an evangelical sort of a look at what I have discovered people come gather and do you know what oh. like he's been on the Joe Rogan podcast a couple of times now and they're clearly friends this album that disappoints me <laughs> th- well I am actually a fan of the podcast but this album sounds like an episode of Joe Rogan in terms of lyrically just being like once they get to like the one and a half hour mark and they're stoned and they're Absolutely. just like having massive life revelations that, that are like that ama- ridiculously that, that obvious the, yeah, yeah. Yeah. The, the, the wonderful <laughs> clips where it's just like it's so weird man to think the life is just so fragile yeah. <laughs> it's a lot of that have like. you seen a clip of that guy who got kicked by a moose last <laughs> yeah, week yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean in terms of the tool situation I mean the talk seems to be that the guys have a lot of music the ready talk to go talk. <laughs> <laughs> but but um Dero Maynard has like differences with them over where they should be going thematically so if he wants to impose this kind of stuff on Tool I can see why it will probably never surface do you know what I mean like if they're just like nah come back to us when you have some actual lyrics (laughs) I don't know I don't know might that be for the best if it's gonna sound like this the Perfect Circle fan in me wanted to love this album and the more I listen to it the more I'm like you know very much just like ugh. like it's not I, I thought it might be a disaster it, I, don't, I don't think it is I actually don't think it is is it not a bit like disturbed doing the sound of silence no it's not because is that's not? horrific okay. like that like, but I can understand if you didn't have the love for this band I can yeah. totally see why that it would come across that way but I I, I, I admire I admire it for existing I think it's actually quite challenging I think it's quite brave I, I do I, I think it's quite brave I, I particularly the title track I think is really fucking brave uh, and I think you know really and I feel like my, uh, <laughs> what's the bravery like I just think that like you know he, he's like, out there and he's trying stuff <laughs> yeah but like so is literally <laughs> trying to eat an elephant it doesn't make it clever but that's the point brah <laughs> see he <laughs> still did see, it see he got you <laughs> so for, it's a 9 out of 10 from Cullum <laughs> Greg uh, 10 out of 10 for me yeah. Yeah. Um, this is like a 3 or a uh, 4 because like yeah I mean mm. It's not an absolute disaster musically. It's just disappointing. I was going to um, say, I'll yeah. give it a four, yeah. Four, because it's not actually going to upset you to listen to, I think. Yeah. I'm going six and a half. Okay. Down from seven. You guys have talked me down from a point Hold five. on. This is better than the Manix album. Oh, yeah. What? Yeah, In much, the name of God are you talking about? I will about? go back to this a lot. Oh, okay. Well, enjoy I might I'm, even glad, do, I'm glad. I might even do it, Craig, and like construct my own track listing. Yeah, granted, no this one, <laughs> granted, granted, the track listing you might have. <laughs> but there we go. I'm glad right. you, glad you Thanks found for indulging moments. me, guys. Yeah. No, no problem. Indeed, yeah. And uh, thanks for indulging Craig, because we're going to cut him out for the next little while. Bye. <laughs> Our guests this week... Were uh, recorded last week. Yes, uh, you may remember them from many, many years ago when they sounded like this. Delighted to be joined by Cormac and Gary from Super Extra Bonus Party. Welcome to the studio, boys. How are you? Thank you. Cullum and I are doing our usual yes. attempts at sounding like a stadium full of people, but it never quite works. Yeah. 
Um, before we get going with the interview, I have a question for all of you. I just bought this bottle of water. It's very warm in the studio. 1.5 litre, fairly well-known brand. How much do you think this cost? I'm actually, like, befuddled by this. 3.95. No, that's a bit much. Depends where you were. 2.35. No, not, you're not far off. Uh, 2.50. Two seventy five. Ouch! For one point five liters of water. They saw you coming, mate. Mm. <sighs> it's ridiculous. Yeah. Like I know it's hot today, but like, did they just fucking? They switched to Simon. You walked down the street. I couldn't believe it. Like, and it was too late because he'd scanned it in. Queue behind me. Money is out. It's over. If you use this opportunity to advertise that particular product, you might get it for free. Mm. Well, I wouldn't be so naive to do that. <laughs> <laughs> no, oh, no oh, would I? That's like reverse advertising smart. day. <laughs> uh, yes, so Cullum, uh, why don't you ask the guys a question now that I've asked my, my one and only question? <laughs> <laughs> That's about all we got, yeah. Uh, well, so, like last week we had the Delorendos in here. We were talking about how much had changed in the sort of three, three and a half years before their last album, or since their last album. For you guys... A lot has changed, I guess, since we last got an album from you, right? Yeah, there's a new government. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> no, like, I'm, just, I'm, I'm just looking, I mean, like, yeah, I, I mean, not your last album, but like, yeah, when you released your first album, Spotify hadn't been invented yet. Yeah, no. Yeah, I think we had a conversation about that before, and like, the likes of like Twitter or Facebook or, you know, I, they existed, but nobody used them, mm-hmm. whereas like now it's just a completely different... It was MySpace uh, back then. I remember here. I remember listening to Super Expert on MySpace. We all oh, had really? Bebo accounts. Did you have as a Bebo well. wall? I think we did. Yeah. yeah. Who was your best friend? Uh, Ooh. Fuck. Are your other, was your other half? Is that what's with that terminology? Don't look at me, mate. Jesus. I don't know. Oh, <laughs> this is called banned ructions if we go too much further. <laughs> Who are your top friends? I wasn't, I wasn't <laughs> expecting this. <laughs> <laughs> or, I mean, like, se- se- seriously, Who are your top friends now? <laughs> there was what? Seven year hiatus for Super X Bonus Party? Six, yeah. Uh, seven? Between, what, 2010? Yeah, the last time. Last yeah, 2010. We played a gig at uh, the festival down in Cork. Independence. Uh, Independence. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it was pretty shambolic and chaotic. <laughs> and uh, Mike, who wasn't in the band at the time, um, decided to get up on stage with us. And uh, Mary, uh, Mary Kay Garrity came up and uh-huh. was, Smashed a cake all over the stage as well. She was singing a song with us as well, so it was fine. But, okay, uh, yeah, no, someone just, invited. And then we went back to start write stuff again, and we were just like, yeah, let's give it a little, give it a little yeah, bit. Yeah, let's give it a year or two, yeah. <laughs> a year or seven. And obviously, it took a fair bit of time. Although I understand that well, you kind of started the wheels in motion again. What 2014, 2015? Like it, it wasn't just last year when we first heard Switzerland and, no, and heard of your so, comeback. And I think we have to go on record now and say that. Um, Googie from the Roshi and Dove uh-huh. played a huge part in that by basically pestering us consistently for years to get back together. Um, okay. And then I guess, yeah, we just kind of uh, had a chat about it ourselves. And I think, like, in the intervening years, we, like, we're all still working on music. Myself, Gavin, and Steve played in We Are Losers. Gav would have done uh, Adult Rock. Mm. Um, I think, yeah, like, I mean, there's there's still like years worth of demos and stuff that we're still kind of trying to work through um so like yeah it was always a case that we were all still really involved in music and still would kind of like swap ideas and stuff with each other um and i guess yeah just got to a point where like you were all still mates as well right yeah of yeah. course yeah so i mean like was there always a kind of an itch at some level like maybe we'll get it back in nobody wants to be the person to suggest it of course yeah. like but even more so when we're all hanging out it was like yeah why the fuck not yeah, yeah. you know like yeah it was actually really fun <laughs> was so. that like a seven point notion though like in by point nine then you're just like yeah. i think it could have been like a 
I, I think it was out of friends stag where the the idea was launched yeah so probably more but the than weird thing points. is i mean like you kind of like you, you talk about it as if like that's like a you know like a, a fun band that never really went anywhere but you guys did i mean like choice music prize win obviously you know that's you know whether that helped or whether that hindered but you know critically acclaimed like regularly blogged about by likes another nine and so on and then all of a sudden just like dormant i mean mm. did you have people kind of like constantly messaging being like I, what's going on lads i'd say well yeah, like there was always uh, a few people who'd retained an interest in us, but like things move forward pretty fast. But as the people who were writing the music, I just personally, I would say, like I'd always, I don't think we, like anybody could predict what we were going to do, and I like that unpredictability. And I always thought, like you know, um, if we do get back together, like I'd be genuinely excited to hear what we come out with because I. <laughs> I'm like a member of the band and I don't know what it's going to be like you know yeah. and I know that like we can take any kind of creative direction and like you know um, I, th- I just think it was like Bonus Party was an ex- still an exciting prospect for all of us so yeah um, I had a feeling it could get back together and that was the light when it did like so You've kind of said in retrospect though that especially around the release of the second album maybe you were a little over eager didn't kind of do the promo thing and the whole build to releasing an album quite as you know it's typically done I suppose yeah, were you almost <laughs> were you almost a little bit over egged at that point like Well I think so I mean I joined the band between the first and the second album so I didn't have kind of that experience of of how the album was released but obviously I know that you know there wasn't a huge like plan or like you know uh tactical approach to how we're, how the album is going to be released it was just like okay well let's release an album and then all of a sudden it it gets all this critical acclaim and then with the second album i think we pretty much still didn't really know how to <laughs> release an album yeah. um or what way to promote it or what to do you know because I guess it was always just about, not just about, but like, you know, a large part of it was just that we were like a group of friends who mm. really enjoyed hanging out together, making music together, playing gigs. And, and like Cole said, the, the writing process is like a, being as objective as possible. Like it's incredibly exciting because there's like six different people who are coming from different musical backgrounds with different interests and you've no idea, like from one demo to the next, what, what it's going to sound like um so yeah i guess just once the second album came out and after like you know a year or two of gigging around um when it kind of lost that spark we all knew quite quickly and knew that you know the best thing to do was just to kind of mm. leave it there it was yeah. always a hiatus it was never like you know we're never making music again i think it was what led to that was when we recorded we we finished up uh mm-hmm with the the first album and then we st- we were recording night horses and we were gigging and doing this and that and um we never really stopped and we recorded night horses and we didn't promote it properly like we just launched straight into a tour we released it launched straight into a tour um did a bunch of gigs did a like a few different bits and pieces like um you know cmj and uh played over in barcelona and like a few great gigs that were really enjoyable but then out of nowhere it was like fucking everything just stopped dead you know like we were like fuck we have to go write another album now yeah. and we're like shit we're only after releasing my horses <laughs> yeah <laughs> how do we fuck this up <laughs> like and it was just like you know just like hit a wall and then we we're kind of like we were practicing in this place so we were trying to write new shit out in uh this this um house in the middle of nowhere in Clare, and we're just like yeah i just think i just felt a bit flat-footed and we we're like yeah maybe a bit, a bit a bit of a breeder would be a good thing is it slow and steady this time around then yeah like i think we've 40 plus demos yeah. Which has been whittled down now, like, but obviously. 
40 um, track album wouldn't be a good idea <laughs> well, no it wouldn't but, it, but you know to be fair like like a lot of the new releases I just saw Post Malone's new album has 18 tracks on it because sure, of course it does um, I guess we got, so what we've heard so far I mean Switzerland a track that is anything but neutral am I right guys boom boom uh, <laughs> is that a microcosm of what we can expect to hear or is it actually a case of like you know that new Daphne and Celeste album where there's no clear direction but it's just a bunch of ideas being thrown at the wall that oh, actually works the Max Thunder one isn't it it's yeah. fucking have you heard it yeah I, that gave me the, such nostalgia for Max Thunder, it's I haven't ridiculous. heard it years. Do, yeah. yeah, I haven't heard the Daphne Celeste one. It's I just really saw he produced yeah. it. And I was like, but it's oh, that yeah. thing where it's I've like never seen like him like playing a venue in Cork that is so old. I can't remember what it was called. <laughs> yeah, wow, well, that's, yeah. that, that, that's 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 actually been closed down legit for gonna, a decade. I was going to say that was very wistful, but it got more wistful <laughs> as it went along. But um, yeah, I mean, like, I wonder, like, what, like, you know, I don't want to be like, oh, what's the album going to sound like? Because I mean, like, obviously, that's you know, like, you don't want to repeat the kind of as you say the kind of uh, the wrong steps of the past or whatever but I mean that track is like it reminded me of like Noi more than anything else mm. like it was kind of like like that kind of cool and it's long thing. Yeah. yeah it's long and like it, it builds and it kind yeah, of yeah. it goes off into almost three different parts and which is pretty good so is it refreshing to put out a single like that and just be like well here it is yeah like I mean that for us for like the six of us in the band is kind of an old song in the sense that like that's been knocking around like, for a bit yeah you know maybe like that would have been one of the first songs that we started working on um when when we start jamming again so um to, to have it out there at all was a huge relief yeah and massive i think kind of I think, like uh in terms of what you're asking i think that the writing process is definitely different and i think with the new with the new shit it's uh like we've a new single coming out called purple heart which is out um uh, May, 11th. May 11th yeah <laughs> and um, yeah like it's it's kind of you'll notice that there's a tread like we're kind of trying to focus on you know like the balance between the electronics and um, and the instruments and uh, there's kind of a new dynamic with the, with the new shit and also we're doing uh, like our own vocals and stuff like that this time around as well where uh, previously like we would have collaborated with a lot of vocalists and stuff like that so um, <clears throat> yeah I think what you can expect a more cohesive kind of it's kind of whittling down the demos and kind of you know, even like picking album tracks and stuff like that, a particularly intensive process for you guys. Because like you say, when you sort of create with six people all bringing different ideas to the table, something very spontaneous and very exciting, presumably you can have an absolute, like, gauntlet run in terms of the amount of stuff that you've got and the influences and diversity and so on and so forth. Actually getting any, some some sort of cohesion on it must not be the easiest process in the world. That happens quite organically um, you know there's there's a lot of demos there there's a lot of stuff that we, you know we have to work on but I think naturally certain songs would kind of just organically prioritise themselves based on I guess how close to completion or how, how cohesive an idea is in the first place that's there um, so yeah I mean it's not it's not like an arduous process where we're all kind of fighting with each other over what demo should we, we should do next I think and like you know since we've in the last kind of couple of weeks started to talk about like a, a track listing for an album there was you know a lot of the songs kind of we all suggested we all kind of had the same ideas in terms of yeah. which songs should should kind of um, be put forward for that yeah. so. and then like within writing as a six piece as well like you know there's the kind of whittling down of the actual elements in the tune and like we've definitely been guilty of fucking kitchen sinking it in the past <laughs> um, but I think this time around we're, we're way more kind of 
Was there any was there any attention paid to like I mean the current Irish music scene because obviously as you say a lot has changed and we were talking on the show a couple of weeks ago about how like Friendly Fires have come back with this track that just sounds like it was rooted to where they were at the height of their kind of their yeah. their creative and their kind of commercial peak I suppose Switzerland doesn't necessarily sound like that but I wonder I mean like is it is it difficult to slot back into a very thriving music scene or is that not even a concern at all I don't think we've really considered it like we'd definitely be yeah. influenced by loads of stuff that's going on in Ireland at the moment like um yeah well like it's not something like uh, we wouldn't sit down with the intention of writing a song going oh shit we need to sound like uh, every other He's, band in you Ireland Gary you need to sound like Kojak <laughs> 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 um yeah I mean like just as fans of music and particularly fans of Irish music I, I think we'd maybe subconsciously kind of take influence from a lot of other acts that we're just fans of and, and, and would listen to but um, and we've collaborated with two uh, two Irish singers this time like um, so we've yet to be revealed like uh, <laughs> clearly yeah yeah sorry <laughs> <laughs> yeah I think I could punch the, bone that's the said. other thing that I want to ask about like what's changed you know in that time that you've been out is the live show because I can remember like when you guys were starting out I reckon it's like this avenue is the first time that I caught you Sometime right. during my college years, I don't know. Can't remember that either, can you? <laughs> college <laughs> days, man. Well, you know what? But this is the thing, right? Because I can just I can remember it being absolute chaos because like the crowd was going nuts, you were going nuts. It was intense, like. And I look back at it now, and I'm like, I don't think I could hack it anymore, man. I'd say three songs, and I'd like be looking for a seat somewhere, you know. <laughs> Someone but, uh, said that to fucking to to Gav, you know, because obviously you know we're very energetic live performances. And someone said to Gav, like, basically, you know, you can't, you know, you're in your fucking early 30s now, you can't fucking do <laughs> oh, that dude. anymore. Like, <laughs> we, the first gig we did back in Newbridge, uh, yeah, we were going apeshit as usual, and um, I I did a, a crowd surf that I'm particularly happy with, and uh, <laughs> one, uh, somebody videoed it, um, and what you call it, yeah, like, it, it, it was actually my brother-in-law videoed it, and he, uh, he sent it to the family group, and then there was this, uh, this response from uh, my mother in the family group, like, it was like, uh, you're in your 30s now, you're a bit long of the two to be doing that type of stuff, <laughs> thinking of, like, the new range of band t-shirts, <laughs> this fucking rant from my mom, and she's like, you haven't even got health insurance. <laughs> so, yeah, well, you're never too old to be a gobshite. Do you have to get back on cardio? before hitting the stage again though like Jen I'd be I'd be <laughs> doubled over halfway through the set like I think yeah. we all fucking we've survived we've gotten out of the couple of gigs we've played so far <laughs> relatively unscathed well you're the drummer you're the most strenuous fucking, yeah. yeah but I'm also just sitting there yeah true yeah. <laughs> you've the most strenuous upper body <laughs> my fingers would be the source from all the <laughs> typing into Microsoft Word <laughs> so I mean like could you reckon you could handle them if they were opening for the Go Team Cullum which, which they are doing because Cullum's a big Go Team fan at least you wear it at some point yeah absolutely again, I feel like this is like taking a trip down memory lane. It's with, really old school, cool, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Honestly, the old team when I was that age as well. That's a hell of a one-two punch. That's a really good get, and that comes before your Bellabar headliner, which is coming up as well. So, twelfth yeah, of May. Yeah. I mean, like, is there any kind of like not not pressure? I wouldn't imagine, but like, it's a good like like it feels like a really good warm for your own thing. Um, yeah, well, like I mean, obviously we jumped at the the opportunity because we're all big Gold Team fans. And I think prior to me joining the band, you guys played in the Tripod. Uh, yeah, we played with them in Tripod. That was a, that was another deadly lineup. Uh, it's almost ten years ago at this stage. Scary, Jesus, isn't it, man? Um, yeah, it was us, Cadence Weapon, and the Gold Team played, and we opened, and then Cadence Weapon was on. And I was actually led to us collaborating with Cadence Weapon as well, actually on on Night Horses and. Uh, 
Yeah, so no, it's 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 a deadly it's deadly to be able to play with a band like that. Um, I love the experience, and especially just from our perspective, like it's like you know you're playing you're playing to a crowd that are kind of inclined towards the type of music you make, and it, like it's a real test of where you stand if you can keep that crowd going and shit. So yeah, so that gig is at Bodden Factory. Then it's Bellow Bar headliners for yourselves. Yeah, so we're putting on a gig in the Bellow Bar on the twelfth of May. We're we're headlining. It's our first Dublin headline in I don't know since we were all children, <laughs> <laughs> since the previous government. <laughs> and uh, what you call it? Um, yeah, so uh, we're really happy with the lineup for that one. We have uh, Silverbacks supporting us, and then also uh, Cinema. Um, He's really good, yeah. Yeah, Cinema's brilliant. Caught yeah. him in Hard Work and Cost Heroes, definitely stood out. Yeah, and um, yeah, he's really happy supporting. Like, he's <laughs> makes some class tunes, like so. And right. um, that's to launch a new single as well, is it? Like- uh, yeah, so we're going to be launching our single called Purple Hearts, uh, hopefully the day before. Yeah. Sweet. Well, in the meantime, we will listen to a quick blast of Switzerland as we say goodbye, bud lads. Thank you very much for joining us. Uh, once Thanks again, that is Bellabar on the 12th of May. Uh, let's give it up for Super Extra Bonus Party. Hey! <laughs> And now it's time for Songs of the Week. Is Craig allowed back onto this segment? Yes, he is. All right. Can I pick a number then? Yes, you can. <clears throat> All right. Can I have number two, please, David? You can. I'm going to pronounce it wrong, so Cullum is going to pronounce it right. <laughs> Leakily. <laughs> One more time. Leakily. Okay. And, uh, yeah. Deep End is the name of the song. One of two that she released this week. And here's what that sounds like. So yeah, um, new album coming, I believe. I shouldn't have picked two. Sorry about that, guys. Okay, man. <laughs> we had we had to do it at some point. New album coming. She's collaborated with yeah. Rostam. And yeah. What do we think? I think it sounds very, very good, actually. Yeah. I think it's a good Rostam production. Um, I'm a fan of her stuff anyway. She does kind of inventive things with pop music. Um, this um, Deep End came out as well with a Hard Rain, which is a bit more straightforward while also being a bit of a kind of... It's got a catchy chorus to it, and I like it very much. But this, for me, is um, the really interesting production. It's got like a Bonnie Ver thing to it as well. It's a bit dismantled and stuff. And yeah, Which I, Deep End? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like... Hard hard rain, I thought has that kind of Rostam feel all over it. Like deep end is made with this real dream team of hip hop producers. Really, um, you've got 
T-minus in there. Malay is in there. Um, it's co-written with Jeff Basker, right. um, who legally actually has a child with. I didn't know that. There you go, and Dave. I <laughs> abs- Any comments, Dave? No, I absolutely <laughs> love this. I seriously do, because she typically does things very understated. And yeah. I suppose there is a little bit of that here, but there's also just so much happening. Like yeah, there's yeah, a yeah. there's like something at least close to a trap beat behind this, but it's being kept fairly soft and fairly low in the mix. Yeah, there's kind of harmonics and all the rest of it. Yeah, I'm 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 all in on this. I think it's great. Plus, as well, sorry, um, indigo deep blue deep blue just sounds like gibberish. Like someone just going dooby doo dooby doo. And for some reason, I love having the balls to put that in your course as well. Very good. Uh, no comment on that, Craig, no, apart from I don't think it's really relevant at all <laughs> if she has a child with anybody or whoever the fuck. Um, I like the tracks. Collaborated well before, I don't know. <laughs> Is that what you were going <laughs> Some for? kind of point there. Okay, right. Fair <laughs> nice enough. bit of colour. I like the background. Do it's you? good to get to know the people behind the music Is sometimes. It? Yeah. Okay. I, I feel like Sorry, it's VH1 sh- yeah it is Yeah, like, so you want like this track to be playing and then while it's on and that bit that Cullum likes just plays you get like the whoop sound of like a thing popping up into yeah. the corner yeah. yes exactly did you know yeah. <laughs> Lee K. Lee has a child with uh, a co-writer on this song or yeah. whatever he is yeah they're good um, she's always been good but I, I, I yeah. kind of feel like she's never made a memorable album though am I wrong no I would agree with you start there. to finish yeah. like no I agree Great singles, always, yeah. from the get-go. From, like, I, I think I'm Good, I'm Gone was the first thing I ever heard from her. Very, yeah. very 2008. Oh, so, yeah. And still a great track. Um, yeah. Never saw her live. Here she's good. She was, like, the best thing on that U2 album from a while back. Songs of Innocence, wasn't it? Sure, yeah. She's um, on that? Yeah, it's a closing track. Yeah. Troubles, The Troubles. Okay. It's, uh, it's a lovely hook. Didn't know that. Yeah. Well, album didn't really leave much of an impression. Yeah. What did you make of the Rostam production on High Rain? Not quite what I was expecting, which is good. I mean, like, we've talked about Ross recently where we're like, oh, I mean, like, you know, he does an awful lot of collaborations and a lot of singles, and like, it can sound a bit samey. So I, th- I thought the atmosphere was very Ross. Uh, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. The, yeah, one track in particular did sound like it could have been on Half-Light. Sure. But that's no bad thing for me. I think that album's very good. If, as we said before on the show, just a little bit too stacked up, it would be better if it was cut in half. Um, yeah, I mean, like, you know, I, I, I'll always be attracted to something that he's on. And I actually didn't realise he was on it until I okay. yeah. started listening to it and kind of read the bump on Pitchfork or whatever it was. Um, they're good. I wasn't mad about the call and response. It's kind of I, don't think, okay. I, I don't think either track is terribly memorable, um, but I think that's a problem that permeates the songs of the week this week. <laughs> okay, fair so, enough. So, Cullum. Let's you, test that theory then. Number four. It's Fiona Apple, and she can't wait to meet you. I hope you can follow your dreams I will have you, you will have me The world will be different and new The world will be different and new because the song was called I Can't Wait to Meet You. Sorry uh, what you did there. It's from a concept album. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. And before we get going, I mean, I guess as a, 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 as a bit of a qualifier, yes, we are three lads about to talk about an album made exclusively by, and I guess four, 
pregnant women isn't that what it is? yeah that's exactly They're what it all is pregnant. Yeah. Are, is all, it just four of them I thought the entire there's 18 tracks so oh yeah just, they've just, collaborated with musicians yeah I just assumed that it was 18 different artists and they're all like yeah. about to have a kid yeah. and therefore well, it, well no 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 the, uh, the artists aren't necessarily going to have kids as far as I know I thought it was I, no. I thought that's what it was no so in, in this instance the lyrics have been written by yeah. a prospective mother who's the voice that you can actually hear at the start and they've been paired with musicians who will kind of bring their words so to life so Fiona Apple this is not Fiona Apple writing a song to a kid that she's about to have no, no it's her performance song this, written this is, by a new mother oh. this is Solange Jimenez yeah who speaks at the very start of it you know that kind of sample that's the mother that wrote the lyrics I thought it was her because I bought it I bought this, <laughs> yeah. the conviction of it oh, yeah. and how the sentiment was absolutely lovely. Yeah. It is lovely. It is. It absolutely is. Yeah, and it, it's it's done really nicely in a way and I guess this is why perhaps that level of removal is actually a good thing because it's not being delivered, you know, as you would to a child in kind of baby speak or whatever the hell. Like, this is... <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but like this yeah. is an actual. Well, we haven't like, heard all the songs. <laughs> textured jazz composition rather than some sort of bizarre nursery rhyme or whatever. Yeah, it's very nice. I mean, I l- it's a beautiful sentiment and it's done really. I'd love to rag on it honestly, just for the crack. I really, but it's, but it's really well done. <laughs> uh, thank God you're not. I, I, I really like the the lime ticker where she says, you know, I hope that you will have more than I ever had. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, that's fucking unreal. Like, Jesus. Yeah. Uh, and also, I thought that it was by Fiona Apple. So I was like, oh, you know, like successful creative musician. Feel cheated. No, I mean, I don't know what the background is for the for the lady in question, but I mean, I I think that sentiment is incredible. I think it's very, it's quite beautiful and selfless. And maybe one day, if I have a child, I'll put together a concept album of eighteen lads who are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you know that is the kind of Fiona Apple touch because like uh, her her last um, album, The Idler Wheel, which is like six years ago now, sadly, um, but it had that like intense intimacy in the recording and. You know, her vocals, just like every breath feels like, you know, a huge musical moment in her stuff. Um, like the Idler Wheel was almost like you felt voyeuristic, like you were kind of in there, like in her kitchen, like watching her perform because, you know, the rhythm section was different kind of, you know, bits that were lying around the house. You could hear the floorboards creaking. You just felt like you were really up close there. And she kind of sucks you in in that way. So it's kind of, yeah, if anyone else was going to, you know, properly portray someone's most intimate kind of feelings for their new child I mean she's the perfect one and like I think yeah I, I think Fiona Apple's a bit of a, a genius to be honest so yeah fantastic track number uh, number four please Dave okay that was number four <laughs> <laughs> give me one sure Ariana Grande is back and I believe the track is about the Manchester tragedy it's called No Tears Left to Cry we vibing we vibing this raining Quite what I was expecting from Ariana Grande. No, I think it's as accurate to say the song is about the Manchester tragedy and the fact that it's not about it because it's kind of moving on and it's, you know, kind of stepping out of those shadows, so to speak. It's okay. She's got a low ponytail. That's uh, that's something. That's perked people up, I suppose. Yeah. I thought, yeah. She, I thought she was going to be the Richie McCall of pop music and just <laughs> dominate for years with the exact same haircut. Very, very difficult to like criticise a song based on what it's based on. 
I think if we're being honest, we're a bit disappointed though, right? Yeah, I mean, I mean considering like, what she's capable of and like, you know, this is just a bit straightforward. And what's more like, I mean, again, look at the list of people involved in this. Savan Katecha, uh, Max Martin and yeah. Ilya. Uh, that, those are the four that did Into You. Those are the four that did some of the biggest bangers that she's produced in her career so far. Um, so you're kind of hoping this will be brilliant. You're like, I think everybody's rooting for it and rooting for her. It's understated, but it's got a drop. It, it does. It, it absolutely does. Um, and like, you know, even the sort of like leave the sadness we're vibing now sort of idea. I, I just I didn't necessarily feel that it was that they followed through on it totally. I suppose I saw somebody suggest though that you know maybe this isn't the glorious triumphant comeback. Maybe this is kind of addressing the elephant in the room so that the glorious and then eating that elephant <laughs> and then Maynard James Keenan has some stuff to say well, what I was going to say is that it's going to be the triumphant comeback it, it is actually kind of possible at this point that it's cleared the decks to allow that yeah I mean it was it was always going to be a tough one um, I think actually they handled that transition from quite you know a serious slow start to the move into the kind of big you know anthemic banger quite deftly I think it's, it actually works and um, I thought I thought it was pretty good I mean no it's not up there with her best stuff by any stretch of the imagination but I think within the context of what went before there is something kind of euphoric about it it's like a triumphant moment uh, you're kind of you're rooting for her obviously um, it's got a decent hook um, and it had kind of Madonna vibes to me which I always like I mean people have been talking 80s Madonna but it had that tinge of like a ray of light era which is my favourite Madonna era just really? FYI that's controversial yeah, yeah. interesting yeah. choice Frozen amazing Frozen's great yeah. yeah but like it's not a banger is it yeah that's yeah. why you got ray of light for yeah, sure it mix it up ticks every box she's never written a better song than um, why can't I I uh, like a pair um, just, I like Layla Bonita to tune. Layla Bonita, I like yeah, that tune actually yeah, as well. Good. Yeah, that's that's good. Madonna listening guide probably coming soon. <laughs> yeah, we'll have a think about that one. <laughs> we got two numbers left, Colum. I'll go for number three, please. Yeah, you chose this one. Oh, I can't wait to talk about it. I, I, I've, I've been trying to figure out why, and I think I have you. But let's have okay. a listen to it first. This is Anne Marie, and it's 2002. Fast forward to 18, we are more than lovers. Yeah, we are all we need when we're holding each other. Taken back to 2002 Yeah Dancing on the hood in the middle of the woods Of an old Mustang Where we sang songs with all our childhood friends And it went like this Say, oops, I got none and I'm promising Henry will be opening for Ed Sheeran On his Irish dates Sweet. Coming up as the country prepares to turn into Ed Sheeran mania next month. Mm-hmm. So you picked this. Uh, yeah. You kind of basically said, I want this in. And yeah. I was like, all right. And then I listened to it a couple of times. And I was like, oh, this this isn't a, a hatchy, sure banger that's taking him over. Like I'm like, it's yeah. a bit unremarkable. And then the chorus came along and I listened to it. And I'm like, so are you... I think you want this song up for discussion simply because... She manages to crowbar a bunch of songs from like her her, her kind of wild youth, mm-hmm. none of which are from two thousand and two. Well, no, I mean, is that the reason? It's part of it. I've got. Yeah, no, to be honest, <laughs> some, some, we'll the, get we'll get to the it. Fact <laughs> that some, the, like the fact is that the most of them are older. She's crowbarred Jay Z in here from a yes. song from two thousand and four. Yeah. Now, that's incredible. We, yeah. Which was Foresight. recorded in 2003, so she's not even getting away with that. Yeah, but no, Dave, Dave it's, it's the verse before that, right? 
it, like this song starts, you know, the way you kiss my lips, light as a feather, has never been better than 2002, and you're thinking that's a standard pop song opening. But I know that Amory's quite young, and so I'm thinking 2002. Right, hang on. The next line is, yeah. we were only 11, and you're like, whoa! Yes. We're in weird territory yeah. here. Yeah, yeah. And within the same song, she then starts reminiscing about when the same pair were 18, just so she can look back and then also be like, we've had sex by now. <laughs> There's like this weird thing where it's just like, well, we're in bed now, or whatever. Possibly weirdest <laughs> of all is uh, the lyric of, um, what is it? Dancing on the hood of an old Mustang. Oh. In Essex... <laughs> At 11 years of age? Oh, so you don't, Who are you kidding? You don't actually like this. I'm so relieved. So she, also, so she has like the, 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 the chorus clutch, I guess, is like she references Baby One More Time. Yeah. That came out in 1998. She's got... Bye Rock, Bye Bye. Uh, bye 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 by which was 2001? Was it? 2000? Uh, it's one or the other. Obviously anyway. Jay-Z, yeah, we yeah, mentioned 2003 slash 2004. And uh, Nelly Ride With Me, which I believe was 2000. Yeah, yeah. and that's a tune, actually. This tune made me want to go and listen to that. Because yeah. like, she kind of... Um, evokes the melody from it, and you're just like, "Oh yeah, that was great." So, what's uh, what's her deal? She's the next big thing, right? Uh, yeah, well, you see, she's been so for quite a while. If I'm perfectly honest, like, I can remember her coming across my way radar for the first time about four years ago. Um, yeah, her new album drops uh, today, as uh, the pod does. Congratulations. Um, yeah, I mean, like you know, she's been in the charts earlier this year with the Marshmallow um, collaboration. Last year, she did vocals for a Clean Bandit song, did extremely well. <laughs> Um, like this is an Ed Sheeran co-writing she's obviously got that oh, support uh, of course, of course it is, it is. I was going to say this is exactly like an Ed Sheeran song I was going to say Ed Sheeran would love this <laughs> yeah no this is an Ed Sheeran <laughs> co-writing of course it is for yeah. fuck's sake so basically that basically, basically she, she will oh, she, she, god she, damn it you've <laughs> snuck this in yeah, <laughs> she, she will do really well with this song um, yeah and like to be fair she seems to have something about her she seems to be kind of smart um, isn't afraid to make like a political statement every now and then. Oh. <laughs> Trump yeah, yeah, is yeah, bad. Yeah, yeah. She was uh, put she, down your phone. Uh, take a look around. She was also cut from the Perfect Circle album. I know. <laughs> like um, I don't know. Like you know, she kind of like she wrote a song, kind of shared it a while back, called like "Dear Miss Prime Minister," and it's not going to change the world by any stretch of the imagination. But like you know, it's more than your average pop stuff. star yeah. is doing, I guess. Um, plus she you know allows and taught Elvis to play karate reference every now and then because she was a three time karate champion in the world when she was a kid oh fun fact what there. a life she's led I, indeed yeah Elvis Brand- wasn't good at karate though he just wore that little costume <laughs> roundhouse kicks off a mustang oh. one song left this week and mm. the man has broken records move over Drake it's J. Cole. When you die, big bills, big bills. I fell in love with big wheels and quick thrills. My niggas running tip drills. Can't sit still. Don't give a fuck if it kills. It mix well. I'm only counting big bills, big bills. I fell in love with big wheels and quick thrills. My niggas running tip drills. Can't sit still. Don't give a fuck if it kills. It mix well. I'm only counting. That's ATM off the album KOD. Yeah. He's a longitude headliner, this chap. Yeah. And I must confess, I have yet to really give him a proper go, but he's blowing up. He really is. Yeah, KOD, um, Kids on Drugs, um, King Overdosed, or Kill Our Demons, I believe. So three yeah. variations there for you. It's a very intense dude. Um, with an intense... Nothing about elephants in there. <laughs> no, no. With an intense fan base. Um, and this is very much like... He's bl- he's blowing up. Um, he's breaking records, and yet he's still not quite getting that level of recognition. I think mainstream wise, yeah. or certainly in terms of the hip hop 
community at large that he perhaps probably thinks he should be or certainly his fans do yeah yeah part of the reason for that is he doesn't do collaborations oh no, genuinely. As in, like, why, why is the community not embracing him? Well, he has zero guests on this album. We thought he was going to have one because he had a guy called Kill Edward, uh, you know, yeah. contributing vocals. Uh, it turns out it's just him pitched down. Yeah, it's become <laughs> such a thing. That's why I was laughing like that. It became a meme last year. It was just like J. Cole went platinum with no features. So that's yeah. like a thing that pops up everywhere now. And he makes a point of like saying as much on this. Yeah. yeah. Um, so he's an interesting dude. I kind of, I, I like the fact he's got a lot to say. I don't know if he's always deft at doing it. Um, I like 2013's Born Sinner. There's some interesting stuff on that. He's quite a good producer as well. I actually think he's possibly Jesus. a far better producer than he is a rapper. Thank you, yeah. Craig. This album, sorry, like, okay, talk about the song quickly, by the way. Like, the song is all about flow, right? That, like, yeah. yeah. Also, this, this I've got the, lots of money. Oh, yeah, but exactly, that's what I mean, as in, like, he's not telling this any story yeah. here, he's not making any big point, this is just to show his technical prowess as a rapper, and he does have that. Yeah. The album, at a larger scale, Jesus Christ, can he produce? I know, right? Um, Get him behind a desk, lads. Uh, yeah, I even mean, if, even if you're not friends with him, even if he won't let you on his record, let him on yours because he's doing such a good job. And the thing is, most of his best productions, like he gives away. I like um, he did high power Kendrick's high power yeah. of section A, and that's just like incredible stuff. Um, so he usually hasn't used. I don't know if it's just he he can't spot his best beats. Um, but yeah, there's certainly certainly some great ones on this. Um, ATM is probably one of the weaker ones. It's a bit simplistic, and yeah, it's just yeah. kind of him going for it. Um, but yeah, it's it's kind of lovely textured record. Um, in terms of his kind of lyrical flow and stuff, um, as much as I kind of like his approach, I don't know if he quite has the talent to go over the top in terms of like a Kendrick conversation or, you know, the other people that are out there. But um, yeah, I mean, this is a very strong effort. Yeah, it's grand. I mean, I'll check out the album, but I would agree that it is a bit simplistic and I was kind of like, I mean, again, I, I just feel like the songs of the week this week were just like pleasant, but yeah. not much more. Uh, so in the other listening corner... This week, I've been listening to A Perfect Circle. Went back on their discography, which I recommend doing. Uh, I listened to Eden, the Irish electronic sensation that's kind of blown up the world right now, because I hung out with him on the day of his Olympia Theatre sellout gig uh, for a video feature for Joe. If you want to go and look at me being incredibly awkward on camera, it should be up uh, probably by the time this podcast comes out. I'm dreading looking at it uh, because I'm just not really used to that. Whatever, but he was really interesting and nice, and uh, maybe it'll be good. I'm sure. I'm sure the going on a second date. Um, I see. Like, I, I, I didn't go to the gig in the end. I was offered like tickets, and I was like, yeah, I'll definitely be here. Nope. But then I just went home and I watched. Oh, uh, yeah, I used to feel so bad after that. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, I caught you after. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I went and I watched like the Liverpool game while playing God of War, which is really good, by the way. Okay. The God of War okay. game, check it out. But no, uh, I like his stuff. He's, he's interesting. I mean, like he's like electronic disparate stuff, but also his kind of most recent. Uh, I guess jumping off points by his own kind of admission would be like 22 million and blonde and there's definitely the sense of the kind of introspective um, not so much masked but definitely like played with kind of uh, sonically right. uh, wounded man with things to say and he's got a huge fan base and he's definitely one to keep an eye on I actually right. wish I had gone to the gig but it wasn't really in the gig mood so but uh, it was fun talking to him uh, and also inexplicably kind of out of nowhere I suppose it's been a good running song as well uh, I just want to kind of shout out Moth Into Flame by Metallica <laughs> inexplicably because I, because I feel yeah. like I feel like it's the most slept on banger of the last year and 
a half. Halo on Fire from that same album is a better song. You're so wrong. No, no, no. Mountain to Flame is incredible. No. Like, the transition like, in Halo on Fire, I just lose. That is, it. I would go to a gig just to hear that song. Okay, um, on the recommendation of, um, I think, loyal listener Mark Conroy, um, I've been listening to Eamon Dunes, or Amen Dunes, I'm not quite sure how to pronounce it, but his, okay. uh, his new album, um, Freedom, it's pretty bloody brilliant. I'd never heard of him before um, whatsoever, which is very strange because I think he's been active since about 2006. Um, but this seems to be his first collection that's getting a lot of attention. He's got a bit more mainstream. There's some War on Drugs vibes. There's some uh, Kurt Vile vibes. Uh, it's produced by Chris Cody. It sounds glorious. Um, yeah, if you're a Destroyer fan, you'll like this. There's one song on I Believe, which is just incredible. Um, it's this real kind of joyous, revelatory thing through this stoned haze but it's also about him coming to terms with his mother being extremely ill um yeah it's a fantastic record so check that out good shout mark yeah uh, the jkl record has got a quite a bit of play in the past week um as the titles or possible titles might suggest um it deals a lot with addiction um talks about his mother's depression and stuff like that frankly when it's stuff close to him he's very good when it's trying to be a little more general and he starts talking about like taxation and guns and school hiring policies he seems to be a little bit out of his depth but he's got flow and he can really produce and I forgot to mention as well last week I was listening to Tinashe I hear, I hear it's not great I hear it, it's, it's okay like, it can't possibly uh, okay. it can't possibly live up to how long it's been in production and, that's just, pre- and gestation and that's precisely it and part of you also wonders whether having those couple of years either A allowed you know everything to catch up so that stuff that was a little bit forward thinking now seems very standard or that stuff that was forward thinking they kind of just got spooked a little bit and made it a little more normal because there are some very pedestrian moments on this record there are a couple of things they're really good and even like the title track which you know was obviously knocking around for a long while Rihanna tried to option it for Anti and then ended up not using it so Tunisia got it back um it's a really good song but you know, there's just not enough of it to fill the record, really. But she's got a really good voice. Um, and hopefully this is kind of the monkey off her back. I mean, frankly, like, she was making another record in the time that she's been working on Joyride. So it's and clearly- doing all that with a monkey on your back is just <laughs> tough on anyone, so bravo. <laughs> but basically, yeah, now that, that this is out of the way, hopefully she can kick on. That's fantastic. Okay, that was the show. Uh, as noted, I'm going to take a few episodes off, but I'm mm-hmm. leaving you Enjoy, in- David. Thanks, man. You've deserved it. I'm, it. I'm leaving you guys uh, in the company of others. What? There's going to be some guest hosts We don't play in. well with others. Well, I guess for one of those episodes you won't, because I know you're going on holidays. Uh-huh. To, to lovely France. Off to the south of France. For, oh, south of France? <laughs> yeah, of oh, course. Jesus God. Christ. Living it up. Please. Not like some Brittany pleb. Yeah, guest hosts to come <laughs> over the next few episodes, and they'll keep you in line, make sure that the place isn't trashed too much. I guess I'm probably going to miss the uh, Arctic Monkeys album. Aww. Uh, no songs being released until it, it's out. Yeah. Uh, have you guys seen the cover of Mojo magazine? Oh, it's so good as well. I'm still convinced they're taking a piss. Though. No, so am I, yeah. I, I, in for fact, a very long I, in, time In now. fact, I'm even convinced that Mojo were in on it as well, because... Those old tricksters of Mojo. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, because if you look like they've got a headline right next to it that's just like, 1968 flashback, <laughs> yeah. and they absolutely do look like they've just rolled in from Ashbury Heights for that photo shoot. Yeah. Like, <laughs> so. Alex Turner looks like a Butlin's magician. <laughs> He's quite down on his luck. 
But yeah, who knows? Maybe maybe it'll be great. I'll definitely listen to it. But uh, yeah, that's the show. Um, our exit music this week uh, comes from a young man who we've played on the show before. Uh, his name is A. Smith. He was in that band Van Music. And if you will recall, I was like, I like the track. I didn't like Van Music. And I was very unkind about them. So during the week, um, I bumped into this man. And I'd never met him before. Outside of, you know, uh, Twitter and such. And he was like, Dave... And I was just like, this guy's like staring kind of narrowly at me. And I was like, oh, God. I was like, who am I forgetting? I don't know who the fuck this is. <sighs> Where do I know him from? Did I work with him? Did I go to school with him? Oh, Jesus. And then he revealed that it was, in fact, A. Smith. And he recognized me, I suppose, from my, you know, distorted Twitter photograph. And, uh, yeah, we got to talking. And I said, sorry about slagging off your old band. And he said, don't worry about it, man. I didn't tell the lads. So that's good. They're not going to beat the shit out of me, I guess, uh, when I'm walking down the street next in Dublin with their angular haircuts. Oh, I'm doing it again. This is really good, though. He's releasing a bunch of singles uh, from a forthcoming album, I believe. And this is the third one. It's called Coming Back to You. It's a good tune. And uh, thanks for the sandwich, Chief. It was great. My name... Oh, I paid you off for a sandwich. <laughs> I paid oh, my God. I paid for that oh sandwich. Oh, my God. This is how you're leaving for three weeks. <laughs> this is why he's leaving for three weeks. Corruption suspension, Dave Anratty. Think about what you've done. I'm in the sin bin. Come on, clear your name. You paid for the sandwich. Paid cash money for okay, that sandwich. Right. And I would do it again. <laughs> my name is Dave Hanratty. This has been No Encore. There will be No Encore. And this is A. Smith with Coming Back to You. And I'll be coming back to you guys in a few weeks. City of a million nights I'm coming back to your heart I decided out of mind I'll let you burn it in the dark I'm never gonna leave again I'm coming back to your heart Nothing like the truth To satisfy you But I mean burn you I take you to the wire In the city of a million nights you
This podcast is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. Celebrate this July 4th with a special presentation of a Capital Fourth. Join your host, Vanessa Williams, with performances from Sea to Shining Sea, starring Jimmy Buffett, Gladys Knight, Alan Jackson, Cynthia Erivo, Pentatonix, Renee Fleming, Train, Jennifer Nettles, Mickey Guyton, Jimmy Allen, Ali'i Cravalho, Laura Osnes, Ali Stroker, and the greatest live fireworks display in the USA. It's a Capital Fourth, sponsored by the Boeing Company and American Airlines, Sunday, July 4th, 8, 7 Central. Only on PBS. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Need new glasses or want a fresh new style? Warby Parker has you covered. Glasses start at just 95 bucks, including anti-reflective, scratch-resistant prescription lenses that block 100% of UV rays. Every frame's designed in-house, with a huge selection of styles for every face shape. And with Warby Parker's free home try-on program, you can order five pairs to try at home for free. Shipping is free both ways, too. Go to warbyparker.com slash covered to try five pairs of frames at home for free. WarbyParker.com slash covered.